All right, everyone, let's, uh, it's good to see you. I, I lost the bet. And Sherry thought there'd be 20 people here, and there's more than 20. I said, I said 10, because hey, everybody, if you watch the news, the world is coming to an end today. All right, Psalm 111 is our psalm for the week from the hymnal. And 357 is our, our hymn of the week. From the congregation at prayer, John 1.14 is the antiphon before and after the psalm. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Great are the works of the Lord, full of splendor and majesty is his work. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works. In giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Most merciful God and Father, through the works of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, we come to know your heart of love for us and the truths of eternal salvation in Jesus. Give us a fervent love for our Savior, that loving him and delighting in his works for us, we might know the comfort of your love and abide in his word and works all the days of our lives. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The second article is our confession of faith in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, who descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven, and from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, and live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, to redeem us from sin, death, and the power of the devil. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, taking all of the punishment that we deserve for our sin upon himself. He descended into hell, proclaiming his victory over the devil, and on the third day he rose again from the dead, preaching the forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life in his name to the whole world. We give thanks to you for all that your Son has done for us. Help us to know and believe in Jesus. He has now ascended into heaven, sits at your right hand as our Savior and Lord. All the enemies of sin, death, and hell have been placed under his feet, and he now rules over all things for the sake of his church. Give us fervent faith in Jesus and the blessed hope that he will come again to judge the living and the dead, giving the gift of eternal salvation to all who believe in him. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Spirit and the Church cry out, Come, Come Lord Jesus. Jesus. All those who await his appearance pray, Come, Lord Jesus. The whole creation pleads, Come, Lord Jesus. Most merciful God, we commend to you John, Bob, Cindy, Mary, Bob, Peyton, Jamelin, Kathy, Heather, Josiah, David, and Duane, suffering afflictions of the body, bring healing and a restoration of strength 
according to your will, sustain them under the cross of affliction, in your peace and in the hope of the resurrection. All this we ask through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hymn 357, and a bit of instruction, but I, I believe the cat drugged someone in this morning. Look at this. Look at the cat drug in. You can sit right up here if you'd like. So I, so I can keep an eye out. Welcome, welcome home. <laughs> All right, we are, we are going to sing this beginning with verse 2, and then we're going to pause after each verse, and um, I will pray the O Antiphon for that verse. So the first antiphon is Christ our wisdom, which is why we start at verse 2. And then when we're, when we're done with verse 7, then verse 1 is the O Emmanuel, which is the antiphon for December 23. When the hymn is put together, they put the titling it O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That's the climactic O antiphon, and it was put first. But we'll sing it in the actual sequence of the O antiphons. Okay? So beginning with verse 2, O wisdom, proceeding from the mouth of the Most High, pervading and permeating all creation, mightily ordering all things, come and teach us the way of prudence. Notice the connection to creation that Christ, our wisdom, permeates all things. He has a greater handle on global climate change than anyone else or the combined wisdom of all humanity. Oh, come thou wisdom from on high, who orderest all things mightily. To us the path of knowledge show, and teach us in her ways to go. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Christ, our Redeemer, Lord. O Adonai and ruler of the house of Israel, who appeared to Moses in the burning bush, 
and gave him the law on Sinai, come with an outstretched arm and redeem us. Oh, come, oh, come, thou Lord of might, to thy tribes on Sinai's height. In ancient times give the law, in cloud and majesty and awe. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O root of Jesse, standing as an ensign before the peoples, before whom all kings are mute, to whom the nations will do homage, come quickly to deliver us. The root of Jesse, Jesse is David's father. The root of Jesse, an interesting paradox. Jesus descends from Jesse, from David, but he is called the root, which means he precedes the one from whom he descended. For he, he is the eternal Son of God, the Word of the Father from eternity. O come, thou branch of Jesse's tree, free them from Satan's tyranny, that trust thy mighty power to save. And give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Christ, the key of David. O key of David, and scepter of the house of Israel. You open and no one can close. You close and no one can open. Come and rescue the prisoners who are in darkness and the shadow of death. O come, thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high, and close the path misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall count the O Israel. O dayspring, splendor of light everlasting, come and enlighten those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. O come, thou dayspring from on high, and shear us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, 
and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O O King of the nations, the ruler they longed for, the cornerstone uniting all people, come and save us all whom you formed out of clay. O come, desire of nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad division cease, and be thyself our King of peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O Emmanuel, our King and our Lord, the anointed for the nations and their Savior, come and save us, O Lord our God. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. All right, great. We get the O antiphons today and a little bit of a treat. We're going to, I hope, we're going to tune turn to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to take a little bit of a um, one Thursday break, and then we don't meet next week, from our Matthew study, not knowing how many people were going to be here, and thinking it would be nice to review the narrative of the entire nativity from its beginnings in Luke's gospel, Gabriel appearing to Zechariah, through the Magi's visit. Susan, you had a question? Key of David, is that anywhere in the Old Testament? Because when I think key, I think it, New Testament. It is, and I, I realize I have two versions of the O antiphons um, that we printed, and one of them includes all of the Old Testament references, and I don't, I don't have those committed to memory, but, but there are. Okay, so Luke chapter 1. Sometime in early 2 B.C. Sometime in early 2 B.C., uh, the, the uh, priest Zacharias was serving um, as priest for a period of time for the daily evening sacrifice. 
which is about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, where the congregation would gather outside by the altar of burnt sacrifice. The burnt offering was given, and then the priest would take coals into the um, altar of incense and then confess his sins and the sins of the people, praying for forgiveness and for the Messiah to come. It was a regular part of the liturgy. Um, and like I said, it was about early 2 B.C. when this happened. Our Lord was born most likely sometime in 1 B.C. Luke is the evangelist who chronicles these. He's called the Great Physician. He's associated with the Apostle Paul. The mother of our Lord, Mary, was um, uh, given over to which apostle to care for her? John. And then where did John end up, does anyone know, as a bishop? Ephesus. Ephesus. And then he was, he was exiled for a time to the island of Patmos. Right. So Ephesus being, um, you know, where the Aegean Sea is and the Mediterranean Sea is, Asia Minor, uh, it's, a, it's a significant city for the missionary journeys of Paul and so forth. So you can imagine Luke, the physician and associated with Paul, having consultations with Mary on the events of the conception and birth of the Son of God and the account of her cousin Elizabeth and Zechariah. Now this in no way militates against divine inspiration, but sometimes I think we have the idea that these blank slate men went into a closet and were inspired by the Holy Spirit and wrote. But actually the Spirit inspires through the Word. Okay, so anyway, um, Luke writes, inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which are most surely believed among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, speaking of the other apostles, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding or knowledge of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, which may be um, uh, an actual person who was associated with the high priest. In any case, the name Theophilus means lover of God, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed or catechized. So it's for the benefit of Theophilus or every lover of God who has been catechized in all of the articles of the creed. And we particularly think of those that I recited in the second article conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and so forth. So the other eyewitness accounts, we know what they, what they are. Matthew and Mark and John. And I, I think Luke is probably uh, the last of the four Gospels to be written. I think John was early, John, by the way. Not late. There was in the day... I'm, I'm Well, not that... <laughs> the Gospel of John, I think, was early and not late. 
<laughs> Unlike this John, who is like, I really didn't even intend to make that uh, joke. Okay, there was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias. And new evidence uh, makes it clear that Herod died not as had for a long time been thought in 4 BC, but in 1 BC. Of the division of Abijah, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So they're both from the tribe of Levi. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And Luke is careful to, from the get-go, say that they were devout believers, righteous by faith, walking, that's the language of discipleship, okay, they're walking in the commandments of the Lord. He's careful to note that because of what comes next. Just because they had no child doesn't mean, which was considered to be a reproach, a curse from God. Luke wants us to understand um, these were devout believers, see? So, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. So that is a detail, again, about their life. Just because they had no child doesn't mean they were not righteous and devout. Now, I will want to underscore again, Zechariah was not skipping up to the temple and praying for a baby boy. He was going to the temple to put on the vestments of a priest and to lead the congregation in the liturgy. Those are the prayers that Gabriel will tell him, the Lord has heard your prayers. Okay? Um, I think 99.9% .9 of the people who read this believe that he was going up to the temple to pray for a child. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that, um, it'd be like, you know, you had no children, Verla, and then Matt is praying for a child. He wouldn't be praying for that. <laughs> not at this stage of the game, I don't think. <laughs> I hope you hope not, see, okay. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood. See, this is all according to the rubrics of the priesthood and what they were required to do. His lot fell to burn incense, and that's a specific technical designation when he went into the temple of the Lord. So he is there to pray this liturgy. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense, the same prayer. So unlike when we do the corporate confession, I may lead it or Pastor Christensen may lead it, but we're all in the same room. It's exactly like that, except they were separated. The congregation is outside by the altar of incense while the priest is praying the prayers inside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense, Zacharias facing it, on the right side of it, there's the angel of the Lord. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. I don't know of an occasion 
where heaven breaks in in such dramatic fashion in an angelic revelation or with the glory of God where there is not fear because of the sinful humanity that is encountering it. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. There's that absolution language. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Now you could render it this way. Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayer is heard, period. There's no punctuation in the Greek like there is in the English. Punctuations here are most often editorial decisions by translators. Your wife Elizabeth also will bear you a son. Okay, so this answering of the prayers for forgiveness and the sending of Messiah is not only heard and answered, but you and Elizabeth are going to be involved because according to the Old Testament, Isaiah and Malachi, the forerunner would come to prepare the way of the Lord. And every faithful Jew at this time, in that, the beginning of the first century, you know, uh, of, of the millennium of our Lord, you know, everyone understood and knew a forerunner must come first. So your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, which means the Lord is gracious, gracious in sending the forerunner, gracious in sending Messiah. And gracious, as we will learn, in allowing Zechariah to be the father of this child, even though he had his doubts and misgivings. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Remember that when we hear the Benedictus, you see in evidence there the joy and rejoicing at the birth of the one whose name means the Lord is gracious. For he, John, will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. So that means they're not going to redeem him but for their service, but they're going to allow this firstborn, according to the law, to be in the full-time service of the Lord, like Samuel was in the Old Testament. So the firstborn were to be dedicated to the Lord unless the parents redeemed them. And so uh, he, he is described here as a Nazarite. It's like uh, an Old Testament monk, okay? Uh, didn't, didn't shave. We learn later on he would eat locusts and wild honey for his protein uh, and good carbohydrates in the honey. But then he would, he would be in the wilderness until his revealing, wearing the leather belt and so forth. So he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Can you be filled with the Holy Spirit without faith? No, you can't. So this filling of the Spirit from the womb indicates infant faith. In fact, in utero faith of a child. And you'll see that when he leaps for joy when Mary visits Elizabeth while she's six months pregnant with John. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. That is a description of his ministry of repentance. And then this also, he will also go before him, that is the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elijah, that fiery prophet, who also was a prophet of repentance in the Old Testament. 
Elijah's name, the Lord is God, gives way to Elisha, the prophet who did even greater things than Elijah, just like Jesus would do greater things than John the Baptist. And then this uh, quotation, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Without faith in Christ, a person is turned inward and is selfish, thinks of no one else. Where there's repentance, you're looking outside of yourself to the welfare of others. Uh, To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And that's from Malachi chapter 4. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord, ready to receive him. And if you think about what, who are the people ready to receive him? Those in whom God has worked contrition and repentance. So C.F.W. Walther says the gospel is to be preached to the broken and to the contrite of heart who desire the Lord's forgiveness and who have been turned away from self-reliance. Okay. And Zacharias said to the angel, this makes perfect sense. (laughs) The angel of the Lord appeared to Daniel in the Old Testament at the hour of incense when he was praying for the same things that I am praying for now. And he announced the end of transgression and sacrifice in the middle of the week when he would be cut off. See, Gabriel announced that to Daniel at this time. So now you're telling me what Gabriel said to Daniel is now on the threshold of being fulfilled. Aye, aye, amen. Let it be according to your word. But that's not what he said. Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man. My wife is an old lady. You have that in your translation? Well advanced in years. Now, how would Luke know the detail of this? I would submit to you from Mary, who was a close relative, you know, and then she spent. Can you imagine the conversations that Mary and Elizabeth had in those three months together? And then can you imagine also that after Zechariah's mouth was opened up on the day of John's circumcision, how it overflowed not only in praise to God, but then Zechariah could also reflect with Mary upon his own doubts on the one hand, and then the faithfulness and graciousness of the Lord to him on the other. Okay. And an an angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, you idiot. Oh, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) And was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. So even though Zacharias does not believe, the Lord does not withdraw his promise or intention. That is of great comfort to us. Because if his fulfilling his promises to us in our baptism uh, were contingent upon our stalwart and resolute faith 24-7, 
52 weeks out of every year, none of us would know the grace of the Lord. Okay. The people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. Why? They just, they had finished, they'd been finished with the prayer, confessing their sins for some time now. Why isn't he coming out to preach, uh, proclaim the benediction? But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. And so it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. Now, it was a miracle that she conceived, but her conception was from Zacharias, her husband. And she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach among men. What is this hiding of herself? She does not boast or flaunt her pregnancy. She waits for a period until it is clearly obvious that she is pregnant before she allows herself to be seen. So she is a woman not of boastful faith in herself, but of humble faith in the Lord. All right, so in the sixth month, any quick question about this? Because I want to keep, I'm sweeping through the narrative. Okay, if you do, shout out. Now in the sixth month, this would be the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. She remained hidden for five months. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So it's the same angel to a virgin. Now, notice how the gifts that she had were gifts of God's grace. Like, for example, she's a woman. It's not anything she chose, it's what God chose. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. She had breasts. Those were gifts. And a womb. Those were gifts. Okay? That's how God created her. And then we learn that she is from the tribe of Judah and the house of David. And she's a virgin, which means she has not had sexual relations with a man to be impregnated. And we learn she is betrothed to Joseph. Betrothal was legal marriage. It's not engagement. But according to the law, they were to remain separate as a test of chastity. So, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. We learn in Luke chapter 3, Mary's genealogy, Matthew's gospel chapter 1, Joseph's genealogy. But being the legal wife of Joseph makes the offspring of Mary, though Joseph is not the biological father, still the legal descendant of King David. So Jesus' uh, ancestry uh, legally, back to David through Joseph. Biologically, back to David through Mary. All right. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. If the Lord is with you, do you belong to him? Yes. Are your sins being held against you? No. Are you under condemnation? No. The judgment of hell? No. The accusations of the law? No. Rejoice. 
the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, that, this was a common thing that was said about Mary. Was she blessed among women? Yes. Duh. She's, she's the mother of the Son of God, for heaven's sake. That sentence, though, probably comes a little bit later when, from Elizabeth. But in, in uh, transcribing manuscripts, it was such a common expression that it finds its way here as well. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, just like Zacharias was troubled. Again, sinful humanity, weak humanity, is troubled by angelic revelations and the glory of heaven. And she considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, now what the angel says to her, and I think this is critically important, agrees with the Old Testament scriptures. For example, the angel, if an angel appeared to her and said, you will have a child, go in, not with Joseph, but find Nathaniel down the street and, and sleep with him, she could have said, no, the scriptures say a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Do, do you follow what I'm saying? So. What the angel Gabriel says to her is not a word in isolation, but is a word that, like with Gabriel to Zechariah, is announcing fulfillment, you see. Okay, so when she saw him, she was troubled. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Notice the parallel here with Zechariah. Your sins are forgiven. How is it possible for a sinful woman to give birth to a sinless child? Well, if she is declared righteous, then she is the pure virgin. Pure not simply in the sense that she never had intercourse with a man, but pure by the grace of God, the favor of God. So that's what he says. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor dei, the favor of God, the grace of God rests upon you. Okay. So, original sin is not communicated from Joseph to the child through intercourse and the conception there. And Mary's sinfulness is not commuted, for she is declared righteous and the pure virgin. He is conceived, as we will find out, directly from the angel by the Holy Spirit. So, in verses 31 through, 32, through 33... Notice this is rich with messianic proclamation. Son of David, son of Jacob. So he's son of the promise. He's the promised seed. He is of divine origin, true God, and also of human origin, true man, in one person. And he will reign his kingdom, the kingdom of God, forever. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, also, I meant to say, seed of the woman, Genesis 3.15. And shall call his name Jesus. Jesus means the Lord is salvation. So his name declares him to be the Lord and our salvation. Just as Eve thought Cain was, but had the wrong person. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, so the Son of God the Father. And the Lord God, God the Father, will give him the throne of his father David. There's his human Lineage, lineage back to David. True God, true man. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, the house of Israel, forever. And of his kingdom, 
there will be no end. An eternal kingdom of grace and salvation. All right. So jam-packed, verses 31 through 33, with messianic fulfillment proclaimed in the conception and birth of this child. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? She's not had relations with a man. How can I conceive and give birth? And this question is, in part, a test of the veracity of this angel. So if you're ever visited by an angel, ask the angel questions from the small catechism. If the angel does not answer according to the small catechism, say, get behind me, Satan. I'm serious about that. If only Joseph Smith had done that, you know, we wouldn't have Mormonism. Moroni was a phony. That's good. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Notice the Trinity within verse 35. God the Father is the highest. The power sent forth from the highest is called the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy One born is the Son of God. So, verse 35, all three persons of the Trinity involved in the conception and birth of the Son of God. And then, for, uh, for the reinforcement of, her, um, of this message, he identifies Elizabeth, who is also pregnant, so that she can go visit Elizabeth and have the testimony of Gabriel further corroborated by what she sees in her pregnant cousin, and then what her pregnant cousin will uh, confess to her. So now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible, a barren woman conceiving or a virgin conceiving. Then Mary said, no way, baby. I am a free woman. You are oppressive and you are engaged in discrimination against me. Right? She's woke, isn't she? Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So what hymn do we sing? Let it be, let it be, let it be, now let it be. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Okay. Oh, wisdom, that's right. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. I don't know the name of the city that Zechariah and Elizabeth lived in, but it was in Judah. It had to be reasonably close to Jerusalem. And entered the house of Zacharias. So she didn't waste any time. And on the angel's word, she goes. Enters the house of Zacharias and greets Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said on the basis of the greeting. So John is leaping for joy. Six months gestation at the greeting of Mary. At the greeting of Mary... Elizabeth then prophesies, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. You see, that's where that expression comes from, 
that was back in verse 28. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's overwhelmed. I'm a, I'm a sinful woman. I'm un, unworthy to have the mother of my Lord come to me. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, so notice, the greeting caused the child to leap for joy. The greeting caused Elizabeth to prophesy. The babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she, Elizabeth says to Mary, who believed. Unlike my doofus husband. <laughs> Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So you see how the visitation of Mary to Elizabeth uh, corroborates and reinforces the angel Gabriel's message as Mary finds it just the way, um, just the, way the angel had said. Now, um, what was the greeting? In Luke's narrative, both for the visitation and for the birth of John the Baptist, the greeting, the extended prophecy, comes at the end of the narrative. So when Mary greeted Elizabeth, it wasn't simply, had it cuz, long time no see, but rather, Door opens, verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, notice the emphasis upon fulfillment of the prophetic word to Abraham and his seed forever. So I can imagine um, Mary comes to Elizabeth. Elizabeth opens the door. What does she see? She sees a woman six months pregnant who had been barren. And this um, eruption, if you will, in the Magnificat. As soon as the sound of your greeting came into my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. So the Magnificat is inspired by the Holy Spirit through the word of the angel Gabriel, the word of the prophets, and kind of like Elizabeth's, this is like a sacramental vision because the word was attached to that cousin who was pregnant, and Mary uh, emotes this wonderful song, the Magnificat, calling calling God her Savior. You don't need a Savior if you don't have sin to be saved from. Okay. And then verse 56, And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Why three months? Because in three months, can you... Well, that doesn't mean that she saw the birth of John the Baptist. Are you kidding me? She's going to stay. I think the baby's going to come any minute. I'm out of here. No, no. She stays. She stays for the birth and then for the circumcision of John. Okay? Any questions about that? Do you see the point on uh, Luke does not interrupt. Luke is a storyteller, the drama of it all. Uh, he doesn't interrupt 
the narrative with uh, the Magnificat being plunked in the middle of it, but he allows the, the, the quick sweep of events to take place. All right. I was wondering on Sunday during Lessons in Carol, what kind of three-year-old is John? If John is rejoicing at God's word before he's born, what kind of three-year-old, what kind of ten-year-old is he? Well, he sang, he sang from the Lutheran hymnal constantly. <laughs> All right. So, so now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. Now so it was on the eighth day, we're going to celebrate the circumcision on January 1st, naming of Jesus. And if you're interested, you can listen to Issues Etc. Uh, next week, because I'll have a podcast on there looking forward to the circumcision that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. And his mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. Now, by the way, when those who say that Christianity is the most oppressive religion to women, notice how it's the doofus man, Zacharias, that doesn't believe. It's the woman, Mary, who does. It's Elizabeth who is allowed to contradict the, the elders and those who would say his name should be Zacharias. No, his name is going to be John. Strong-willed women, unlike Eve, whom Adam should not have listened to, Zacharias and the others needed to listen to these women. So you see how the divine comedy, I think, is really great. Who's the first person to see Jesus risen from the dead? Mary Magdalene, out of whom this is God's underscoring that this salvation is for all humanity and his special delight in women. Because no man carried the Son of God in his womb. Sex change operations notwithstanding. All right. And his mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father, which leads me to believe that this muteness was also connected with deafness, which is a sign also of you know, unbelief. So they made signs to him, what he would have him called. I don't know what the signs would be. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. Wow. They all marveled. You agree with your wife. You're doing what she said. You're one of the first men ever to do that. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. Now, we don't have the song right there at that moment in the narrative because it comes in verse 68. So, immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue loosed, he spoke praising God, then fear came on all who dwelt around them. And these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. The sayings that were discussed were not only the particulars of the conception and birth of John, but the particulars of what it is that John prophesied, uh, uh, sorry, Zechariah prophesied in his song, the Benedictus. All those who heard them kept them in their hearts, which is the seat of faith. The word of God is received there, and you meditate upon it and ponder it. That's said of Mary, and it's said of those who hear these things. What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And I would argue that not only was it 
Zacharias, the circumstances of the birth of John, and his words in the Benedictus, but also the fact that Mary came down there and spoke her words in the Magnificat. So this is good gossip is, you know, it's rumbling, it's spreading around Judea, preparing the way for the coming of Messiah, which explains why Simeon and Anna were convinced that the Christ was going to be brought into the temple soon for his presentation. Now this is the prophecy uh, of, now this, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Notice how the man who doubted now speaks of the salvation in the past tense. He has visited, he has redeemed. Jesus is still in the womb of Mary. Six months left before he's even born, much less dying on the cross. He's raised up a horn of salvation for, his, uh, for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, which I should have believed in the first place when Gabriel came to me, that we should be saved from our enemies, which is what I was praying for, and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, which is what I asked him to do in the sacred liturgy in the temple at the hour of incense, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, sin, death, and the power of the devil, might serve him without fear in holiness, the holiness and righteousness of Christ all the days of our life. Then he picks up the baby John, newly circumcised, you child, will be called the prophet of the highest. According to Malachi and Isaiah, you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Notice how he echoes what the angel Gabriel said to him, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by their own works, reason, strength, and merits, and not by anything that Jesus has done for them. No, no, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, there's our day spring, the sunrise of a new day is what Christ is called, to give light, the light of forgiveness and eternal salvation to those who sit in the darkness of sin and death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in the wilderness and was in the deserts singing hymns from the Lutheran hymnal to the day of his manifestation to Israel. Hopefully those amplifications assisted you. Okay. All right, any questions on this? Do you see what's happened now? It's time for, it is time for uh, Mary to return to Nazareth. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is not the same kind of storyteller as Luke. So it's sort of like your Christmas. My Aunt Grace, she would be like this. How was Christmas? Oh, it was wonderful. Uh, um, Jimmy was there, and, and Stevie was there, and Billy came, and, and Ruthie came, and Gracie came, and we all had a great time. And then you ask another member of the same family, like uh, Billy, uh, how was Christmas? With, oh, it was terrible. I came in and, and uh, Jimmy was doing this. and uh, Same events, you know. But for Mary, uh, excuse me, for my Aunt Grace, it's all, nothing, there's nothing wrong. Everything is great. Everything is grand celebration. But for Billy, well, 
Every negative thing that happened is, is accentuated. In a certain sense, that's the difference between Luke, what, what's that? She'll be 96 tomorrow, yep. Does she still care for uh, children? No. No, she finally gave that up last year, something like that. Yeah, she was daycare at the age of 95 or something like that. All right, but you understand the point. You can, you can look at an event and see it colored from two different perspectives. And they're both true. You know, Uncle Harry spilled the pickled herring all over the place, and then, uh, you know, Uncle Sven had too much to drink. He takes a drink in the morning, his nerves to improve. By noon he's so steady he can't even move. You know, but, but, <laughs> but Hilga, she, she, nothing's wrong. It's Christmas and everything's great. All right. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Of course, Joseph doesn't know that at this moment, but that's what Matthew says right off the get-go. It's by the Holy Spirit. Now, I take this, this is chapter 1 of Matthew, verse 18. Now we're going into verse 19. So I take it that Eliz uh, Mary has returned from visiting Elizabeth, and now she's beginning to show. Well, not only had they not been in the same uh, home, Joseph and Mary hadn't even been in the same district the same region of Palestine. He's in Galilee. She's down in Judea. She comes back pregnant. I ain't the father. You get the idea? Now Joseph, her husband, notice what Matthew does. He is careful to underscore Joseph is her husband. Being a just man, a righteous man of faith, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Put her away means divorce her. Why secretly? So as not to bring an accusation of adultery against her, which would result in her being stoned to death. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, remember, Zechariah was a priest. The angel of the Lord called Gabriel appeared to him at the hour of incense. Deja vu, just like Gabriel appeared to Daniel in the Old Testament. Joseph is named after the Old Testament Joseph. How did the Lord appear to him? In dreams. So it's deja vu all over again. So as the Lord appeared and revealed things to the Old Testament Joseph in dreams, which by the way resulted in a lot of hardship for Joseph. So the Lord appears to this Joseph in, in dreams, which is going to result in, yes, joy, but a lot of hardship. Okay. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. Again, your wife, not your fiancé. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now he is told plainly. And she will bring forth a son, the seed of the woman. And you shall call his name Jesus. Again, Gabriel gave that name to Mary. And now the angel of the Lord gives the name to Joseph. Again, these, there's almost always two or three witnesses, so to speak. So uh, in this case, in both Gabriel and the conception and birth of John and then the visitation of Mary and so forth. And here, there are three witnesses. 
because it's not only the revelation to Mary and not only the revelation to Joseph, but the revelation of the scriptures themselves uh, for which all of this is fulfillment. Okay. She will be, bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now the meaning in, in typical Jewish fashion in prophetic utterances, you read the Old Testament, a name is given, and then there's a definition afterwards. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So that's the reason he's called Jesus, because he's the Savior from sin, not you. The Lord is salvation. The Lord is Savior from sin. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, this is Isaiah 7:14. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her, which means he did not have intercourse with her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. All right, so now you have to, we'll come back to this in just a second, go back to Luke chapter 2. Now we're progressing into 1 A.D. And um, during 1 A.D., the decree is issued by Caesar Augustus, the emperor, uh, that all of the world should be registered, counted in a census of the empire for the purpose of leveling taxes. Quirinius is the governor of Syria at this time. So these historical markers clearly reinforce the time of Jesus' birth, and it occurs a number of months before Herod the Great's death. Um, I say a number of months because the sequencing is going to be, they go down to Bethlehem, Mary gives birth, Jesus is laid in the manger. There's rejoicing right at the time of his birth by the shepherds who are sent by the angel of the Lord to visit. Eight days later, they're still in Bethlehem, Luke 2, 21, Jesus is circumcised and given the name Jesus. It was, there was a liturgy associated with that. They're still in Bethlehem. They remain there in Bethlehem. They don't travel back to Nazareth, not because the child was small, but according to the law, 40 days after a male child is born, this firstborn was to be presented to the Lord in the temple, and the mother was to be purified. The magi, the wise men, come after the presentation. So I know it's, it's um, romantic and nice and we have it out there. You have the shepherds out there and you have the wise men out there where the story is, the narrative is collapsed into one. And I, I do love this movie, The Nativity, but um, that part is not quite accurate because they've got the, the shepherds and the magi arriving the very night of his birth. Uh, they, they present their gifts and then they go out for eggnog after that. But no, the, the wise men likely came uh, sometime after the presentation 
which would have been 40 days after his birth. Okay? But what happens with the shepherds, you think about um, what the shepherds say after they witness the birth, what Zechariah and all of the people who knew him uh, were saying, and as a priest, it helps to explain why Simeon and Anna in the temple understood that the Christ was born and about to be presented. All right. So that's a little bit of an overview. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city of ancestral origin. Joseph also went up from Galilee. Now up. Jerusalem is always up, no matter where you're at. It's not like us. For us, up north, up is always north, down is always south. But here, up is always Jerusalem. And Bethlehem is just about two miles from Jerusalem. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Matthew, uh, excuse me, um, uh, Micah in Matthew's gospel will be cited to help Herod understand where the Christ was to be born, but you Bethlehem of Judea. Okay, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. Now notice these subtle but powerful indicators that, again, to the virgin birth, her firstborn son, not their firstborn, but her firstborn, underscoring the seed of the woman theology from Genesis 3.15. Wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the Motel 6. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So fear on the part of sinners throughout Luke's testimony is answered always with, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings, the message of the gospel is good news, of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day. So the shepherds do hear on the night of Jesus' birth the announcement of his birth. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. So the sign, notice how this is underscored in Luke. Again, the Gabriel comes to Mary Elizabeth, six months pregnant, go see. Comes to the shepherds, the swaddling cloths, a manger bed, go see. You see how the, these multiple witnesses to reinforce the truth. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying. So the shepherds are witnessing the heavenly host 
glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I just cannot imagine what it must have been like for these shepherds. I mean, they'd been out in the hillside for who knows how many weeks and months and maybe years of their life. They'd never seen anything like this. Maybe they're, they're out there at night and they see a shooting star. Oh, that's kind of neat. Here's the angel of the Lord appears to them. And then the heavenly host is singing glory to God in the highest on an earth. Of course, they wouldn't say anything about this to anyone. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. I can't go right now. I think I'll have maybe six months from now. I've got, a, I've got uh, some time off. No, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. There's born to you a Savior, wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in the manger, the heavenly host, glory to God in the highest. So you got multiple shepherds, who knows how many, bearing witness to the birth of Christ and the angelic revelation and the song of heaven. Okay? And of course, chief among those people to hear and receive this witness is Mary and Joseph. And Mary keeps all of these things in her heart. So Luke knows the details very well. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb to Mary and to Joseph. So the doing of those things, the doing of the deeds, is a sign of faith in the word. Now when eight days, uh, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, which would be 40 days, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. He's the firstborn. He's going to be in the Lord's service, just like his cousin John. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. That's from Deuteronomy 18 and Exodus 13. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said uh, in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons, that would be for Mary's purification, Sheree. Does circumcision take place at the temple? Or no, no. Not? No. So at the circumcision home. takes place or at the, at the home, oh, usually. Okay. Okay? okay. And this is 40 days after the birth. Right, okay. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. So he's described in Luke's gospel in similar fashion as Zacharias and Elizabeth had been earlier in chapter 1. So he is a man of faith. He's waiting for the comfort, the consolation of Israel, the birth of this child. The Holy Spirit was upon him through the word of God that he studied from the scriptures, but also the testimony that he has been receiving from the likes of Zacharias and his family and the shepherds and so forth. And it had been revealed to him by all of this testimony, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I mean, he knows it has to be, because if the child is born, he has to be coming any day now, 40 days after the birth. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant die in peace. 
according to your word. Simeon's faith, Anna's faith, Mary's faith, Joseph's faith, Zacharias and Elizabeth's faith would all, by the grace of God, rest upon the word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So Simeon rightly understands that the promise made to Abraham, in your seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Um, not just the Jews, is the correct confession. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. I can imagine the marveling of Mary and Joseph um, at the whirlwind of stuff that happened. I mean, in the period of 10 months for Joseph, um, well, going back to, you know, got the nine months prior to that, so you got like 20 months period of time, but all of the stuff that has been happening. They're marveling at all of these things which were spoken of Jesus. And that's how the community of faith reinforces one another, the mutual conversation and consolation of brothers. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. He'll bring down the self-righteous and he'll raise up the broken and the contrite. For a sign that will be spoken against. They will speak against his cross. They will speak against his gospel. And to Mary he says, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. You can imagine how Mary was affected when Jesus, her son, is dying. Not just dying, but in that death, dying for her sins as well. Uh, that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And so the, the preaching of the gospel reveals, you know, whose side are you on? Now there was one Anna, prophetess, daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. So she wasn't married for very long. And then she did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord, who spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And I think it's fascinating how there is effervescent, immediate, joyful confession. Simeon, Anna, so many others. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon them. But wait, we've gotten ahead of the game here with Luke, because their trip to, Ga to Galilee and back to Nazareth has a bit of an interlude, Luke, uh, Matthew chapter 2. Yeah, takes a little detour. detour to Egypt. It says right there, so when they had performed all things according to the law. Yes, that's exactly right, Susan says when they had performed all things according to the law, which required the trip to, to Egypt, that it might be fulfilled, out of Egypt I have called my son. Yeah. So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, this is chapter 2, verse 1 of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi, the school of the Magi, they were scholars from Persia. They studied mathematics and astronomy. Something I know nothing about, just ask my wife. Uh, from the east, and they came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? 
And it's Numbers 24, 17, in the fourth oracle of Balaam, where the star is predicted that will give way to the scepter, the king of Israel arising. So having received the Torah from the exiles uh, who were taken away to Babylon centuries earlier, when the wise men, the magi, who who were brilliant astronomers, they'd never seen anything like this in the night sky, the Torah gives them the interpretation. Whereas he who has been born king of the Jews, we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Worship is associated with faith. Not only would they have been able to interpret the star, but what is central to the Torah, those five books of Moses, is the promise made to Abraham that through this son, all nations would be blessed. So they believe and they come and worship. What a contrast between those who should have believed, so much more immersed in the word of God, and they don't, and the Magi, who have very little of it, but they do, okay? It is a miracle. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. The troubling of Herod and all Jerusalem is indicative of people who know that the gospel is true, but they still don't believe. See, if they absolutely believed it was fiction, they wouldn't be troubled. But they know it's not fiction. That's why they're troubled, but yet... They're impenitent, and they do not believe. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Now, Matthew does something with Micah chapter 5, verse 2. He changes the text. In Micah 5, it says, Bethlehem is the least of the cities of Judah. But not anymore. Not anymore. So Matthew alters the text. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Because of who is born there, the descendant of David, the Messiah, it's no longer the least. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and kill him. I mean, worship him also. Liar, liar, pants on fire. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. This is about the only joy recorded in Matthew's nativity. Remember the difference of perspective. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which were all commodities associated, according to the Torah, with the worship of Israel, the gold implements and the gold overlaying the uh, tabernacle, the incense for the priests to offer, the scented myrrh perfume for the anointing. So no wonder they brought those commodities. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. And I may say one other thing. Some say, oh, now they've moved from the stable into the house. Likely it's the same house. Because at the time of the first century, these were tri-levels. The lowest level was where the animals were. It would have been the warmest place, good place to keep a baby warm. 
So just because it's the manger bed doesn't mean it's not in, in, a, in a house. So when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream who was getting very paranoid going to sleep at night because of these dreams. Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. But I would argue the witness of Old Testament Joseph would indicate that even though it may be difficult, as the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord will be with us. As the Lord sustained Joseph, he will sustain us. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, which took place um, in probably January of, um, of, of 1 uh, uh, B.C., that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son, which is from Hosea. So Jesus embodies all of Israel, all of Jacob, being for Israel what they failed to be. Um, he comes out of Egypt and then is going to settle in Nazareth. So Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they were no more. The grief of parents for children who die and then young children and babies and infants is almost unspeakable and unquenchable. But this murderous act here uh, indicates in Matthew's Gospel the reason and need for a Savior from this kind of darkness and evil. And it also is a foretaste of the suffering of Mary's son, which would bring about that salvation. So when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in the city of Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. So there's our, there's our narrative of the, and the chronicling of the history of the nativity. And notice how Luke and Matthew both underscore according to the scriptures. What's that? John did not get killed. Well, of course, it was in the wilderness, so he was spared. But it's Bethlehem and its surrounding districts. So uh, uh, Judea is a lot larger than, yeah. All right, so um, how many are going to the machine shed? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 15. I got him. All right, good. So they're expecting us uh, kind of any time. We said 1130, but okay. 
It's under my name, and some, some elf is actually, um, maybe this will change the count, is um, offering to uh, buy lunch for all of you. So Some elf has offered that. Uh, we don't meet next Thursday. I'll be in St. Louis. So we'll meet in January, uh, the next time, which would be the 5th of January.